Lord, you are here and we are here. Touch our hearts and minds today. Fill us with your love. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It's been a tough week for me. I've been really angry. I've been really, really... This whole shooting in Uvalde, Texas, has just about done me in. Not that all school shootings and all the shootings aren't equally bad, but this one has been burned into my heart in a different way. My class, my seminary classmate is the priest in Uvalde, Texas. He has been there to deal with this. And he is a man, he and his wife also lost a child, not in this shooting, but so they are uniquely blessed to minister to these people. But I have been angry and sad and grieving. And so... As I looked at this gospel, I realized that God is grieving with us, that he is loving us in the midst of it, that he is here, that in this gospel he says, I'm not just praying for these disciples that I have here with me, I'm praying for all who will follow because of their teaching." All who will be drawn in. All who will come to love me. I'm praying for all of these. In fact, the word that this kind of prayer is, is intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer is that prayer which bridges the gap between heaven and earth. And so Jesus is praying for us. But as we intercede for one another, we are lifting those to him in the heavenly realm. There's this unique interaction of what happens. Think about it. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was finishing this high priestly prayer, he was praying for you and he was praying for me. 2,000 years ago. Scripture in Jeremiah tells us, before you were born, I knew you. I knit you together in your mother's womb. Jeremiah was called to be a prophet. And he preached the word of the Lord. But it wasn't an easy life. But that was the call on his life. Before he was born... He was knit together in his mother's womb. Before you and I were born, we were knit together in our mother's womb. Jesus knew us and loved us and called us to be his people. There's a call on his life, on our lives. And he loves us just as much as he loves Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, that's what... So, how do we live into that? It's going to be different for each of us, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more later, but I want to look at what happens in the Acts passage today as God intervenes in the lives of so many people. 
Remember where we were last week. If you were here last week, we had the story of Lydia. Everybody remember Lydia? Sweet lady, loving, generous, kind, cheerful. Everybody wants to be around Lydia. And she listens to Paul's testimony, and she's baptized, and she invites him into her house. He and his companions provides for their needs and really establishes the first home church in Philippi. Well, today we meet her counter-opposite. We meet a young girl who is possessed by a demon. And so she is what probably we would call a fortune teller. Actually, the word that was used to talk about this kind of possession would be translated as python. And we all know what a python snake is. It's one that just squeezes the life out of you. And that's what she had, the spirit. And so she's walking around. Paul and uh, Silas are in Philippi. And she's walking everywhere saying, these men are the representatives of the Most High God. They speak his word. And she does this over and over, days, for days probably. Now, the crazy thing is, she's telling the truth. They were the prophets of the Most High God. But Paul gets really irritated with her, and he casts out the spirit of divination. I don't know what she thought about that, but the scripture tells us that her owners were furious. They were none too happy because she was a big moneymaker. She drew in a lot for them with her um, fortune telling. And so they pull Paul and Silas up before the Roman authorities and declare them to be um, spreading a foreign um, religious message in Rome, which they are technically by law not supposed to do. They also accuse them of being Jews, which they were. But the long and short of it is the two of them are taken into custody and beaten in public and put in jail. Now, not only were they put in jail, I mean, they're not in jail eating dinner and waiting to go to sleep. They are in jail... And they are shackled to the floor, which means that they are very, very uncomfortable, probably lying on their backs with their feet shackled out. And what are they doing? Well, we find that they are singing, and they're praying, and they're carrying on, and it is midnight, and they're still going strong. And surprisingly... None of the prisoners are complaining. They're all listening. Now, we don't know what Paul was singing. We don't know what songs he had. But I'm sure that they were praying. And they were interceding. And they were waiting as God interceded for them. What was going to happen? They had no idea. So in the midst of this, a huge storm comes up, opens all the prison doors, And somehow unfastens all the shackles on the prisoners. Now, I'm going to tell you, 
I'd been in one of those cells, I would have probably been out of there immediately. But none of the prisoners even attempted to leave. So I have to assume that Paul and Silas are still singing and carrying on when all of a sudden the jailer awakens and he finds that the prison doors are open. This is not good news for him. Romans killed prison guards who let a prisoner escape. So this particular guard, jailer, is about to fall on his sword. He's going to kill himself rather than put himself through what the Romans would do when Jesus says, no, 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 no. We are all here. We are all here. And the jailer looks at Paul and he says, now he's heard this singing and he's heard what must I do to be saved? And my first thought is, is he talking about how am I going to get these doors closed so that the Romans don't know that everything's open and all the prisoners have been set free? And maybe that's what his first thought was, but Paul does not answer him that way. Paul says, well, you need to believe in the Lord Jesus, the one I've been singing about and praying about, and he tells this to the jailer, and the jailer accepts him, accepts Jesus. And so the jailer ends up taking Paul and Silas to his home where he tends all their wounds and um, Paul converts the entire family. So now we have a second potential home church going in Philippi and it's come out of a unexpected prison stay prison ministry. Well, the next morning, they come and say, um, your prisoners are free to go. Paul and Silas are free to go. And we don't get this whole thing because our scripture starts right before it. And Paul says, I don't think so. They have embarrassed us. They have beaten us. We want a public apology. And so they do. They come and apologize to Paul and Silas and um, ask forgiveness. So it's interesting to note that Paul will stay in touch with this jailer over the course of years. And there will be a point at time when he is in prison in the future when he writes to this jailer and he says, my prisons, my challenges have provided the opportunity to spread the gospel. So, when I read a passage like this, I begin to think, well, what are we supposed to learn from this passage? And the first thing I think that we're to learn comes from the gospel of John. Joy. That no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, no matter the horror of our circumstances, that God is praying for us. That we are held in his heart at that time. That he is there. Now, that's exactly the reason that Paul and Silas could sing and pray in the midst of the prison. 
they were in. Because, yes, they were bound. Yes, they were in prison. Yes, they couldn't go anywhere. But God knew exactly where they were and what was going to happen. Now, they sang and prayed because they knew that. They knew the Lord was with them. They weren't whining about their misfortune. They stayed in faith. So here's a question. Would you rather be a whiner or a singer? Would you rather listen to a whiner or a singer? All of us tend to whine at times. But often, it doesn't do us much good. And we tend to drive people, the more we whine, the more people don't call us or ask us to dinner. So, Paul and Silas were in a physical prison. But I'm going to suggest to you that we all have some kind of prison in our life. We have those places that we hide behind. We might be illness. It might be grief. It might be depression. It might be anxiety. It might be any one of a hundred things. It's the thing that keeps you and me from being who we're called to be, the people of God. The thing that we hide behind so that nobody knows the real us. So, next question. Are we willing to let Jesus come in and break those prisons in our life? Open those doors and set us free. That's what we're invited to in today's gospel. I mean, I do my share of whining. I know you all find that hard to believe. But I do my share of whining at times. Things don't always go the way I want them to go. But people like me a lot better when I'm not whining. (laughs) They like me a lot better. Well, not necessarily when I'm singing, because I'm not a particularly good singer. But we can sing in a lot of ways. Sing when we smile at people. We sing when we reach out to people. We sing when we pray for someone. Whatever we have to share in our life, that prison that holds us back, when we begin to open the door, we will find that what's behind it brings healing not only into our life, but into the lives of other people. Just as Paul said, you know, I have found that my pain and my circumstances have been used by God to bring more people in to know Jesus. So, this is the final Sunday of the Easter season. Ascension Day was on Thursday. And as we celebrate, I'm going to tell you one quick story about Ascension Day. Charlie and I went to a church in Maine one time. And if you've ever been in a strange church, you know that the best place in the Episcopal church to sit is in the front pew. Because generally, present company excluded, nobody sits in the front pew. So 
are in the front pew at this little church in Maine. The priest walks in and he says, we're celebrating Ascension Sunday. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. He said, well, you know, there couldn't have really been an Ascension, what with gravity and all. At this point, I'm banging my head on the front of the pew. And he's saying, but we can ascend our problems. And I'm going to tell you that Jesus has been resurrected. He has been ascended into the Father. And that this line for this part of the gospel tells us right now that he is looking down on us. He is praying for us. He is loving us. He is opening a line of communication between heaven and earth to draw us in. So what do you need today? Do you need joy? Do you need comfort? Do you need peace? Do you need whatever it is? Whatever you pray for. He is intercessing for that for you. He is longing for your wholeness. So, next Sunday, who can tell me what next Sunday is? Pentecost. Now I'm going to tell you this in the sermon because I'm going to forget to tell you the announcements. Everybody wear red because it's Pentecost. And we're going to change a little thing, a few things about the service, but we're going to celebrate Pentecost, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on all of God's people. I hope you have a blessed week as you prepare for Pentecost. I hope that Jesus touches your heart and your mind and opens places for your healing. Amen.